Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. And uh, we, we always miss when people, we miss people when they're gone. And uh, we need to keep in memory uh, those that uh, are not here, be in prayer for uh, Miss Annette this morning, Miss Opal, Miss Angela, and uh, others, Miss Deborah, the Mennings, and uh, of course there's probably others that I'm not thinking of right now, uh, Miss Joe. Ephesians chapter 3, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll read verse 7 through 11. Ephesians 3, 7 through 11. Actually, let's go down to verse 12. I expanded what I was going to talk about today, so we'll go to verse 12. Verse 7, starting out loud. If you would read out loud with me as we read the Word of God today. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. It's all about Jesus Christ. He is central to the church. He is, he is Christ, so we are his body, okay? We are not a church without Christ. And his gospel needs to be central to the church, The gospel message. What is the gospel? Good news. The good news that Jesus saves. And may we never get over that. May we never forget what the gospel is all about and our place in the gospel ministry. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I thank you for this passage here that we can read about the testimony that Paul had. uh, How that he was a, a wicked sinner. In the eyes of men, in his own eyes, he was a good a good person, but He was a a wicked sinner actually working against the gospel. And we thank you for saving him and the powerful testimony of a life change. A man who was set on his feet 180 degrees uh, in the opposite direction, going the opposite direction of where he was before he was saved. And we thank you for the impact of that kind of testimony. Lord, not each of us probably have a a testimony that would uh, just... uh, uh, wow or amaze, but in reality we do. We might not have a story to tell, but in reality we do. Because if we think about it, we are the Apostle Paul. We are the wicked uh, sinner of the world, wickedest sinner in the world. As Paul even did not esteem himself to be uh, a, a great saint. He was the least of even the, 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 the Christians. May we never get full of ourselves But may we also never uh, forget that we were destined to split how wide open because of our sin. And we have a powerful testimony, a life change. Maybe we weren't uh, murdering Christians. Maybe we weren't uh, doing all the things that Paul was uh, 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 accomplished to. But God, we were a wicked sinner and we are now a believer in Christ Jesus. Our, our, our home was hell, and now it's heaven. Our father was Satan, now it's Jesus. That's the father. 
God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in our life. May we uh, take some time to reflect on our testimony. I once was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. And dear God, I do pray that you would help us to, to be so ever grateful and then also so ever vocal that we would share what you've done in us. That we can also be empowered through your work in us, through us. And that we take the message of the gospel to all people without any kind of uh, prejudice, without any kind of favoritism, because, God, your message is to be sent to all people. And so, Lord, help us to be so ever supernaturally impactful with the gospel message. We thank you for all that you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated this morning. So our human birth determines our ethnicity. It determines a few things like that. It determines our cultural distinctions. Okay, And there are differences in cultures. We'd be silly to think that there wasn't a difference between uh, Germans and Mexicans or any other culture. Some are closer, some are further apart. We're all different. Now, our, our human birth determines that, but our, our spiritual birth unites us as member of Christ, members of Christ's body. And we get to share in the spiritual riches that God gave to the Israelites. Romans 11, 1 and 2, Paul does explain, though, although we share in the spiritual blessings, God has not forgotten His promises to, uh, to Israel. One day He will restore His people to their land and their kingdom. But in short, the church of God is sharing with Israel, but has not replaced Israel. Do you understand? We are not Israel. But we get to share in their spiritual blessings. Last Sunday we looked at Ephesians 3, 1. And we saw a phrase, if you will look at verse number 1 there. The gospel to Gentile nations. That was this cause. That was the cause that Paul's talking about. Was that the gospel was not uh, exclusively for the Jews. But it was for all nations. And he says, for that reason I became a prisoner. Paul's writing in bonds. Meaning he was in Rome as a prisoner. And for the cause of the Gentile uh, salvation to all the Gentiles. For that cause, he's a prisoner. We see that um, the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. And that's the mystery as you read on down through verse 6. That's the mystery of the Old Testament that uh, was revealed to the world through the apostles and through the New Testament prophets they were enlightened to the fact that the gospel was not just for Jews, but it was to all people, and God's message uh, should be taken to the world. It wasn't known to Old Testament Jewish prophets, this mystery. That's what he calls it in verse number uh, 3. The mystery, in verse number 9, he says, uh, the mystery again. And he says there, verse number 9, we already read it, his mission, Paul's mission, was to 
take the gospel to all people, to make, as he says, verse 9, look at, don't miss this, to make all men, see the next word? Make all men see. Make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And here it is, from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Christ Jesus. From the very first day of creation, God's plan was to redeem all people. That was a mystery to the Old Testament prophets, though. But now it's been revealed. The mystery has been unveiled. And so God's plan has always included the gospel for all nations. Verse number 5 and 6, the Bible says, "...which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now," next word, say it with me, "...revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit." that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. God saved Paul and he gave him a ministry. He gave him a special ministry to the Gentiles. Number one today, I want to just look at Paul's miraculous ministry. Paul's miraculous ministry. Paul's miraculous, first of all, Paul's miraculous metamorphosis. He was made to be a minister of the gospel. Verse 7, the Bible says, Whereof I was made a minister, and here's the miraculous metamorphosis, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual, if you want to underline this word, working of his, and underline this word, power. See, the word working is the word energia. Now, anybody with a an advanced degree in education, would you be able to tell me what the word energia sounds a little bit like? Sounds like the word, class, energy. So he had this working, this energy, and then we see the word power there. The word power in the original is the word dunamis, which gives us our word that we use today, dynamite, but also the word dynamic. His, 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 the, the ministry of God to Paul, the grace of God to Paul, was an effectual energy and dynamic power. Paul's testimony was one of going against God, although in his heart he thought he was doing the right thing. He was going against God's ministry, God's gospel, God's work, and he was knocked down And he was given a revelation that he was fighting against the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's testimony went from going this direction full force with great zeal and vigor to going the opposite direction. Now he's an effective powerhouse for God. He's a dynamic, energized preacher of the gospel. And my friend, we don't have to be the Apostle Paul to have that kind of testimony. There's some of you that went from 180 degrees back over here going this direction and God got a hold of you and now you're going this way. I wasn't going to add this in today, but I might as well just look at it. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, Paul writes. Now you know the church at Corinth was a church made up of a lot of sinners. He says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, 
nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, what a statement. Because probably all of us could have been put in that category, uh, one of those categories. And verse number 11, Paul writes, And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Paul knew firsthand because he was going against God. He was an accessory to Stephen's murder. Remember, they, they stoned the, uh, the preacher Stephen, the apostle uh, who was preaching the gospel with power, and they come out and they stone him, and Paul is standing there. Actually, Saul, his name was Saul at the time, but he's standing there. He's holding their coats. He might not have been the one picking up the stones, but he was present when it was going on. He didn't stop it. But he says, And such were some of you, but... Ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I couldn't continue on with the message without looking in that dynamic, energized testimony that Paul saw in the church at Corinth. These sinners, these dirty, rotten, wicked people, probably the most fleshly and sinful and sensual church that Paul had to deal with. He says, this church was full of these guys. Some of you were that. And he said, such were some of you, but it's the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who came in and transformed your life. This was the power with which God put forth in Paul's conversion. I'm going to tell you a story I had to look for this one, but I remember hearing this years ago. Pastor, uh, who's been with the Lord now 16 years, Pastor Adrian Rogers is probably one of my top favorite preachers. And my son, AJ, is actually named after Adrian Rogers. If you didn't know what AJ's name was, it's Adrian Jude. Early in his ministry, Adrian Rogers pastored in Fort Pierce, Florida. And like most towns, Fort Pierce had a town drunk. I always think of like Andy Griffith. Now, I know they're making, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a comical thing, but that's not really a joke, you know? Somebody who's just the town drunk and uh, a life of sin, a life of sadness. By the way, he wasn't an alcoholic, he was a drunk. When he got his paycheck, he would drink until he fell off the bar stool. Adrian Rogers tells a story. He says that he would pull, they would pull the man, the, the people maybe in town or the people in the bar, they would pull him uh, up under the packing house where they pack citrus fruit in Florida and they would let him sleep it off down there. And he'd wake up with the roaches and the sand gnats and the mosquitoes and he'd get back up and he'd stagger home all bleary-eyed. And the man's name was Al Cross. It's a true story. He was the hopeless town drunk. But God gave Pastor Rogers the joy and privilege of leading Al Cross to the Lord. And when he got saved, he never drank again. He said, I've been all over. I've been to detox places, all the different programs. I've gotten educated, and I've come back. And he said, I'd go away a dumb drunk and come back an educated alcoholic. But I was still the same person until I found Jesus Christ. He became a deacon at Parkview Baptist Church, Pastor Rogers Church. He became one of the finest soul winners, one of the most radiant Christians, one of the most victorious Christians. And by the way, everybody in Fort Pierce knew that Al Cross got saved. Because when you see somebody go from being a drunk 
to being sober, sitting in the right mind, a deacon of a Baptist church, ah, that makes an impact. People sit up and take notice. And Pastor Rogers used to have a radio program called Daybreak Break at 6.45 every uh, weekday morning. And sometimes after the program, he'd meet with some men, including Al Cross. They meet at the church for prayer. And by the way, preaching's important, but my friend, prayer is so neglected in churches. We put such a high premium and emphasis on the preaching, which is good, but we need God's power. And that power comes through prayer. And unity comes through prayer. As I said last week, the family that prays together stays together. But he would he'd meet there after the radio program, and Al Cross was there with the deacons and other men in the church, and they were praying for revival in Fort Pierce, and they were talking about how to have revival, and somebody said, you know, I've read that one way to have revival is to have some miracle conversions. By the way, we can't force revival. We can't uh, manipulate God's moving. But we can prepare for revival, and we can do what we can do, and we can have revival in our own life. Whether anyone else has seen revival, we can have revival. But he said we need to have some miracle conversions and he says we need to find the meanest man in the city and get him saved. So who was the meanest man in the city? And these men had an election and they figured out uh, who's the meanest man. There were nominations and then there were votes. And finally there, there was a man who was elected, the meanest man in Fort Pierce. And he was a barroom brawler. Adrian Rogers says he was a moonshiner, he was a gunfighter, he was a gambler, he was an adulterer. I mean, he fit all of the categories, right? And he was, he was uh, brazen. He once stole a hog from the back of the game warden's pickup truck. And as a matter of fact, at this particular time, he had a bullet lodged in his hip. A woman had shot him. The reason why she shot him was that she was jealous. He was spending too much time with his wife. And so she shot him. And uh, he had a bullet in his hip that the doctors felt would be a little dangerous to take out, so he just walked around with a bullet in his hip. And um, so they said, well, let's begin to pray for him. Let's begin to pray that he'll get saved. And so morning after morning after morning, they prayed for this man. And then after they prayed a long enough time, they said, well, we believe, Pastor, you're the one that needs to go see him. And so Pastor Rogers was intimidated because he'd heard so much that he had never, but he had never met him. So he went up and he knocked on the door of the house. And his wife came to the door and said, they're in the back room. They're back there. They're gambling. They're fighting. They're drinking. And she said, they're mean. I wouldn't go back there if I were you. And so Pastor Rogers didn't. And uh, this man ended up getting shot again. And he was in the hospital. And so Pastor Rogers went to the hospital and decided he wouldn't beat around the bush. And he went to his bedside and said, Sir, my name is Adrian Rogers. I'm a Baptist preacher, and I've been praying for you. I want you to be saved. Do you want to be saved? You know what he said? He said, if God could do for me what he did for Al Cross, remember the town drunk, I'd surely want to be saved. What convinced him? What convicted him? He saw his old drinking buddy, Al, change, and he saw what God could do. You see, my friend, many people say, I love this lifestyle, and they're living in sin. They say, I just love sinning, I just love this. My friend, they don't have peace in their life. They don't have true joy in their life. They might have temporary, momentary happiness, And alcohol and drugs can bring temporary, momentary joy or happiness, but it soon goes away. And guess where they're left? 
You know, alcohol controls you when you're drunk. And drugs control you when you're high. But my friend, they probably even control you more when you're not drunk or when you're not high. Because what is every drug addict and every alcoholic or drunk looking for when they're sober? They're looking for their next hit, their next high, the next, uh, the next best thing. And some of us, or some of you, were there, and you know what I'm saying is true. But the power of God and the changed life that results from being saved by having a relationship with the Savior of the world is the only thing that will ever satisfy the longing of the heart. And every person in this world, every created human being on the planet is looking for hope, is looking for true joy and peace. And all of the devil's knockoffs work for a time but they do not last. The effects wear off, and very soon afterwards, they are left with depression and longing and chasing after the next best thing. And that can sometimes happen to us who even know the Lord Jesus Christ when we're not walking with Him. We can begin to look for other things that will fill the, the, the void where we once had peace and now we no longer have peace. My friend, come to Jesus Christ Don't look after what the world has to offer. It is fleeting. It doesn't last. And it will leave you sad. It will leave you without hope. It will leave you broken. It will leave you broke. It will leave you suicidal in some some ways. Some people have looked for all of the answers in life. And they have found nothing. They found no hope. And they may have even tried religion. But it's not religion that saves us. It is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul's miraculous metamorphosis made him a minister of the gospel. But then we see in verse number 8, and I couldn't come up with a better word for this that started with the letter M, but I came up with the word modesty. Paul's modesty, meaning that he was humble, he, was, he knew who he was, he saw who he was, he called himself the chief sinner. And verse number 8, he says, Unto me who am less, see it, less than the least of all saints. He says unto me was given this grace that I should preach among the Gentiles. Paul was a good man in the eyes of the Pharisees. He was a good old boy. He was in the club, right? He was one of the, he was one of the fair-haired boys. He was one of the, the you know, oh yeah, we know, we, know, we know Saul. He's a good guy. And the Pharisees loved to hear people singing their praises. The Pharisees were so filled with themselves and filled with their accomplishments. But my friend, religion does not fill the void. But Paul, he had been a good old boy and he was, he was uh, filled with himself. And by the way, we're all relatively good before we say it. We think that we're good in our own eyes. Even Hitler, if he was standing here today, And we asked him if he thought he was a good person. He said, yes. He would say, yes, I cleaned up Germany. You know, Hitler got rid of the brothels. He brought down unemployment. He got rid of the scum of the earth. See, remember, relative goodness. He thought he was good. Uh, Hitler purified the German race. He'd say, yes, I'm a good person. But God's standard is not our standard. 
And Jesus said of the Pharisees in Luke 16, 15, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Now get this. God knoweth the hearts. God knoweth the hearts. He said, you're the ones that justify yourselves. You're the ones that think you're relatively good. You're the ones that, that, that talk about your goodness. But God knows our heart. We can put up a pretty good show for everyone else, but we cannot fool God. God knows what's on the inside. And it's not that God doesn't love us. It's because God loves us that he says, you need to repent and get saved. You need to come by faith to Jesus Christ and give yourself to him. Turn from your sin. Turn your back on all of that and come and receive forgiveness. Jesus said, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Paul had to come to the end of himself. Just like all of us, he had to be uh, humbled. But hitting rock bottom does not have to be the end for us. Many times people's world come crashing down and they think, this is it. I've lived my life for all of this and this is all I have to show for it. And yet they don't realize that falling flat on their face, hitting rock bottom, whether it's losing your job, losing your health, that is a blessing if it gets you to turn your eyes off of yourself and look to Jesus Christ. And so just like all of us, Paul had to hit rock bottom. And Paul finally saw, saw himself as unworthy. By the way, we're all unworthy. But I want to just quickly say, although we're unworthy, we are not worthless. God knows our potential in Christ. See, God's law knocked Paul down, but God's grace picked Paul back up. See, the Bible says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Hitting, rock, bottom, falling on our face, losing it all does not have to be the end, my friend. Losing it all actually could be the very beginning of something wonderful if it, if, it, if it culminates in a relationship with the Savior of the world. We see that Paul, uh, he, he was modest. He realized who he was. He was unworthy, but he wasn't worthless. God loved him very much. And my friend, God loves you very much. God has a plan for you. And my friend, it's not going to be based in your goodness. God has a plan that is based, rooted, it's completely it's completely found within the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work on the cross, where Jesus died on the cross in my place, in your place, and you cannot do anything to deserve it, you cannot earn it, but you come to Jesus Christ in faith and receive his free gift. And that's the beginning of a wonderful life for you, where you say, it's not me, it's not my goodness, I'm not a good person, but God loves me. God loves me. And... Uh, so we see not only does Paul have a miraculous metamorphosis and a modest view of himself, but Paul has a mission, verse number 9. And this is what I call, Paul has, this is what I say, Paul has a make all men see. Now get this, verse 9. He has a make all men see mission. 
Underline that in your Bible if you would. He has a make all men see mission. And now we find, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Okay? Paul had a metamorphosis. He changed from the man he was. He became something God can use here and a, a person that was redeemed. And I hope all of us have had that experience. If you haven't been saved from your sin, then come to Jesus Christ. Paul's change brought about Paul's humility. He now realized who I am. I used to be Paul thought. I used to be a very special person. I was a Pharisee. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. He had a great uh, background, education, all the, all the things that the world puts a premium on. But Paul, when he got saved, he realized that is not worth anything in Christ because it, it, that, I was depending on that. I was trusting in my goodness. But now I see that wasn't good. It'll never be good enough. And then we find that Paul has a mission now. God can use him because uh, he's useful. We see the rest of the story, verse number 9. God calls him to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. That's important there. There's actually some really good doctrine. Jesus Christ was not created. He is the creator. Verse number 10, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. See, God's plan included more than just one people group. The wisdom of God was that the gospel be to all nations. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness now. We can come to God with boldness and confidence because of not us, but based in our faith in Jesus Christ. And so God wants to use you just like he used the Apostle Paul. God wants to use your testimony. And our past, my friend, is nothing to be proud of. Some of you might have been the town drunk. Some of you might have been the meanest man or maybe even the meanest woman in town. Some of you have an ugly past. And in reality, all of us have an ugly past. Because we were lost without hope. We were a child of hell. We served Satan. And the past is ugly, but my friend, the contrast of the before and after Christ is beautiful. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I love the song, Amazing Grace by John Newton. Was blind, but now I see. We were wretched beggars in sin's gutter before Jesus picked us up. So if you think, boy, I wish I had a good testimony. I wish my testimony could be uh, unshackled, the radio program. Remember the radio program, the Christian radio program, the drama program of people that got saved. And the theme of that program is the, the program that makes you face yourself and think The Pacific Garden Mission has produced for, I believe, 60-some years, maybe close to 70 years, an awesome radio drama of lives that have been changed. And uh, to realize, uh, to, to bring that message of hope to all people, but to realize that God can take the vilest of sinners and can set them upright, put them on their feet, just like the maniac of Gadara, who was cutting himself, who was running through a graveyard naked, and God came and had a special appointment. Jesus came and released him from the uh, satanic bondage that that man was under. And he was sitting, I love where it says, he was now seated and clothed and in his right mind. And that's what Jesus does when he comes to us. 
But our, our testimony might not be uh, on unshackled, my friend. I knew I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up without being exposed to some of the things that I could have participated in. But it doesn't matter. All of us have a testimony. All of us have a past. All of us have a, a past where we could have been something, we could have done something, but regardless, we were lost without Christ. And we were, we were a filthy, wicked sinner. And our testimony, my friend, is a powerful witnessing tool because we were lost, but now we're found. We're blind. We were blind, but now we see. And uh, he, we didn't know up from down, but then Jesus came. Jesus came. If you haven't, uh, if, you, if, you, if you've uh, realized what Jesus done for you, don't ever get over it. And if you haven't realized what Jesus done for you, you need to get it. You need to realize it. Our testimony is a powerful witnessing tool. Have you ever shared your testimony? Have you ever shared your testimony? Are you sharing your testimony? Now, in order to share a testimony effectively, there needs to be that contrast in your life. God didn't save us just to live like we were living before we got saved. I'm not saying that if you've sinned since you've been saved, that now you need to get saved again. Because we know that once you've been saved, you now possess eternal life. The Bible says that uh, that we are kept by the hand of Christ and we're in the Father's hand. We have eternal life. And uh, uh, John 10, um, we have that eternal life. It's our possession. But it's not an excuse to live however we want to live. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans chapter 6, verse 1. If you have that, uh, if you have a second, you can put that in your uh, notes or you can underline it in your Bible. Memorize these two verses. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Think about the grace of God, that, that wonderful, rich uh, blessing that God has bestowed on us through his love. Grace and mercy are the, uh, the, the examples of God's love, is the, uh, the outworking, the physical, the physical uh, expression of God's love. Grace and mercy. Mercy is God not giving to us what we deserve. Grace is giving to us what we don't deserve. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. But he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, he's teaching Christians here. He's saying, okay, I understand you have a pull into the flesh. You have desires in your human body that are drawing you into a lifestyle of sin. But he says, you know God's grace. You've been forgiven of all of that. And now you should live for the Lord Jesus Christ, not because you might go to hell and you might lose your salvation. No, my friend, you can't lose what God's given to you in that way. It's a gift. God won't take it away. But we understand that you should live for the Lord because of His grace. Not so that you can uh, exploit the grace of God. He says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says in verse 2, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? See, when we live in sin, we're really lying to ourselves because that old man's been crucified. We don't have to live that way because now we have power over it through Christ Jesus. And so he says, don't live like you used to live. 
And so in order for us to have a powerful testimony, there needs to be contrast. There needs to be life change. People need to see, wow, that's where they used to be. But some unexplainable reason, they're not living that way anymore. And some people that are looking at our life are saying, I'm right where they used to be, and I have no power over that. I don't want to be that way. They may never tell you that. But they're watching your testimony. They're watching your life. And you and I who have victory and power through Christ Jesus have been released from, the, from, uh, from sin's grip and we don't have to give in to that temptation. And because of the grace of God, uh, we can now live over here in victory and in the, in the presence of God's joy and have peace in our life. We don't have to live in that bondage. We don't have to serve sin any longer. We can have victory. And so when we do that, though, when we get freed from all of that junk of the past and we have a testimony, now people are looking at us and saying, that's unexplainable. It doesn't make any sense. And they may just very well look into it. And they may say, I want to have what they have. I want to have what they have because what they have is different. And it is, and they may not say this word, word, but it is. It is supernatural because nobody else lives that way. Why has the church of God lost its power? Why have we lost the salt and the light aspect of what God wants us to be as a church? Because... We are over here exploiting God's grace and just saying, I can live however I want to live because that's what's being taught today. We have a lot of weak, anemic Christians who are not appropriating God's grace. They're exploiting God's grace. They're not saying, God, give me strength so I can overcome the power of sin. Instead, they're saying, God, leave me alone so I can live however I want to. So your powerful witnessing tool, have you been exercising that? Have you shared your testimony? When God brings revival to churches, to Christians, we see the outgrowth of getting right with the Lord and living right before the Lord is that people get saved. See, the mark of uh, what, what has been evidenced and seen in God's moving work and revivals, historic revivals, is that in every single one of them it started with prayer, usually a small group of people, and that exploded into people getting right with God. And now, wow, look at this. The church is actually, it's convicting to see what's going on over at that church. And people are coming to Christ. People are, uh, people are receiving salvation. You know what we're seeing? Not that. We're not seeing a sweeping move in this land. People getting saved. Now some are getting saved and praise God for that. But we're not seeing that same supernatural impact that the church in the first century was seeing. We've gotten used to living how we want to live. And God, who changed us on the inside, is not been, has not been given free access and, and has not been given the liberty of us, of us surrendering our will to Him. He's not been allowed to change anything else in our life because we're holding on to our sin. 
So how is God changing your testimony? Because it could be the cause of somebody. Now get this. Your testimony can be the cause of somebody coming to Jesus Christ. But it could also be the cause that somebody might not come to him and might even turn away. We don't want to focus on that. I'm not trying to be overtly negative this morning, but I want us to be honest with ourselves. Is our testimony making an impact? And I'm, I've got all the fingers pointed back at myself today, okay? But we all have to be in this together. We've got to communicate and work and be honest with one another and hold each other accountable that we would live a life that is different. You might say, I've never thought of it that way before. But that's okay. Now you know. Now I know. Our life needs to be different. Not because of what we get out of it. Heard somebody say, I heard a woman preacher, not that I listen to women preachers, but it was kind of a, something that went around on the internet. This woman preacher was saying, be good. We don't do it for God. We all know that. We don't do it for God. We do it for ourselves. It's this wealth and prosperity preaching out there. We're not good for ourselves, and we cannot be good by ourselves. But we're good by the grace of God and for the glory of God. May God be glorified through our life, our testimony. Well, it's not so people can say, oh, what a good boy he is. You know, that old Pastor Hoover, he's a good old boy. And uh, he, he's a real good guy. And uh, in our hearts, we can be wicked and dirty and unpleasing to the Lord. So start on the inside. Here we go. Give yourself over to the Lord. If you're not saved this morning, you need to turn to Jesus. Stop trying to, stop trying to medicate the guilt and the sin problem in your life. We, we try to self-medicate. But that's just a band-aid that leads to eternity in hell. You need a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're not saved this morning, turn to Jesus. Give yourself over to him. Just say, Jesus, I, I'm not going to try being good anymore in my own strength. I need your help, God. You need to change me from the inside out. I'm not pushing church membership. I'm not pushing baptism or anything else. Come to Jesus by faith. It's not about going to church. It's not about being good. It's about coming to Jesus, the only one that can change you. And so if you're without him today, come to Jesus. If you're a saved individual this morning, if you're saved, you need to give yourself completely to the Lord. Nothing left reserved for yourself. No compartment closed. Everything open to God. Jesus, have your will and way in my life. You may be saying, if I do that, he's going to ask me to do some pretty crazy things. Well, that's probably an indication, if you're saying that's probably an indication that he's already told you to do something and you've just stopped him and you've said, no more. That's as far as we're going to go. As far as I'm going to go, as far as my family's going to go. But my friend, what you've done is you've limited, you've limited what God is going to do through you, but you've also stopped growing spiritually. Because if God tells you to do something you say no, he's not going to give you more truth. He's not going to give you more things that are going to, uh, more conviction or anything. God's just saying, just go back to where you stopped saying yes to me. Get that right, and I'm going to give you more things. I'm going to give you more, uh, uh, more uh, truth or insight in the Word of God. I'm going to give you more, uh, more areas where you can grow. 
Because some people come to the pastor and they say, I'm just not being fed. I'm not growing. And there's something wrong with God. There's something wrong with the church. There's something wrong with you, pastor. And I know there is something wrong with me. I'll take credit for that. But I, 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 just, I just try to, I try to encourage them to go back and to think in their life, was there a place where I said no to God? Because sometimes that's when the conviction starts to wane. Because we're quenching the Holy Spirit. It's not a game. Because if we're telling God no, we're quenching the Holy Spirit. And our life ceases to be about the Lord, and it begins to be about myself. Because then I start living the Christian life. If I continue living the Christian life, I start doing it for other people. I start doing it for other people to praise me, or for other people to not say anything to me. So I have a church, many times churches are filled with, with people that are not uh, surrendered to God is, uh, in their lives is because they've just said no. They've said no. So Christian, give it all over to God. Don't turn your back on him. Don't say, Jesus, that's it. As far as I'm going to go. God says, I got more for you. I got more for you. Don't live a relative good life, even as a Christian, where you think, I'm, I'm just as good as this person over here, and that's the standard. Our standard is not anyone else except for Jesus. Let him be the standard of how far we're going to go. Let's stand together as we pray this morning. I know that we're a little bit over time, but let's take some time to serious, seriously consider the words of the Lord. We see Paul's life, miraculous change, metamorphosis. He was convicted of his sin, and he didn't just keep saying no to God. He just surrendered and he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I will follow you. Paul changed. Paul changed. And then we saw how that uh, Paul, uh, he, he was a modest person, that he was humble. And God doesn't use anyone that's not humble. He resists them. He resists pride. He hates pride. God hates pride, but he gives us grace. If we if we'll humble ourselves, we'll submit to him. He'll give us grace. And then we see how that Paul, he, uh, he went from being a man of, uh, filled with himself, a man of uh, self-righteousness to a man of humility to a man that God could use. He had an impactful spiritual ministry. Gave us the New Testament, basically. And what he didn't write, we can read somewhat about him. The book of Acts has written a lot about Paul. So we see all of that. We see that. How about us? Why do we just have to read about it? Why does it just have to be a story? Why can't our church be like the church of Acts? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ this morning? If you're not saved, call out to the Lord. Surrender your life to him. Surrender yourself to him. Just say, Lord, I I can't. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. But I'm not a good, I'm not good. I deserve hell. And call to Jesus in faith. Put your trust and dependence wholly, solely on Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for you. He stood in my place. He died in my place because I couldn't. God needed to do that for us. Put your trust in him. Christian, Surrender it all. Just give it all to him to say, I'm done. You might might be saying, well, it's more fun to live how I want to live. 
Well, it's, that's, that's foolishness. It's a life that is not worth living. I've always said that the most miserable person in the world is not a, 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 a sinner away from God, or a sinner lost, but it's a Christian that's away from God. And so, my friend, it's not going to satisfy you. Just give it all to God. We all need to just do that on a daily basis, surrender to Him. I preached about last week, surrender to God, give it all to Him. And don't hold anything back. I'm going to say a prayer here. We're going to call to God, ask him for him to work, continue working in this invitation. I want you to come. If you're not saved, come talk to one of these men that are down here. They're going to stand right here in the front, and they're going to be ready to talk to you with the Bible, take the Word of God, and they're going to show you the Bible, in the Bible, how to be saved. If you're not uh, sure of your salvation, come talk to somebody. Get it settled before you go out of here, because this could be the last day. This could be your last opportunity. Let's get that taken care of. Christian, come. Let's pray. Let's come to get, get together. Let's pray as a family. Get somebody if you need to. And uh, we're going to come and do that together. And uh, after I get done praying, when I say amen, you take that step out of the pew and come to the front. We're going to talk together. We're going to pray together. Get it settled today, whatever it is. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day that you've given to us. Help us to be surrendered to you in every area. Lord, for the sinner that they come to you, they surrender their, selfish, uh, their, their, their self-righteousness, they surrender their good deeds, their good works, self-dependence, all of that, that they give it over to you, God, and trust in Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, I do pray for each and every Christian, the one that is called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would truly live as if with the reality, because it is the truth, it's the reality, we would live with the reality that you are the Lord. That we would, we would depend on you for, our, for living the Christian life, but realize it is what you require. It is the, the, the least that we should do. Our bodies would be a living sacrifice. As the word says, it's our reasonable service. Is reasonable. You're not asking anything too outlandish. It's what we should do. Help us to see you as the Lord. May our loyalties be 100% to God. Help us to not break the first commandment. Help us to be surrendered today. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.